0: The topic of today's discussion is A Mother to Me Too. Uh, It's an unusual topic or title of the discussion. A Mother to Me Too. And uh, let me just give you a little bit of background why we are talking about this. And And then it will become clear why we have this title. I know that for many people, maybe here and maybe outside of this room, a uh, topic of motherhood or topic of honoring mothers might be a challenge. And uh, I, as a pastor, each time when I come into these holidays, Mother's Day and a Father's Day, I understand that for some people it's a difficult topic It's a painful topic. It's a hurtful topic. So I am being careful here. And again, that might be difficult from the uh, mother's perspective. Maybe you lost a child. Maybe you had other experiences in your life that are hurtful. And also, it might be a difficult topic from the children's perspective because you might have some painful experiences with your mothers. You might not have mother, a mother, Uh, you might have a mother who is, we call it an absentee mother, and that's why each time when we come into this area, it's like a minefield, and uh, we might discover painful uh, areas or experiences in your life. That's why uh, when we are talking about this discussion, I am coming from this perspective, being mindful that some people might have different experiences. So I'm going to talk about three uh, things. An uh, absent mother. And when I'm talking about an absent mother, I'm not so much focusing on the mother who is absent physically. Although that also is included. Sometimes people have and I hear stories and I even read a book when mother just left uh, family and children. And that's one story, but also we have situations when mother is there, but she is not there for you emotionally, mentally. In other words, you have a barrier, you cannot communicate with your mother, and you go through your years of maturing uh, without having a mentor or a friend whom you can relate to, whom you can take example of whom you can uh, share your pain, secrets, fears, and that's all what we need sometimes. And uh, yes, you have a mom. Uh, Maybe she's trying her best to be there for you. Maybe she doesn't know how to be a mom. Maybe she never experienced that kind of a motherhood in her life, and that's why she cannot be there for you where you need her. So that's an absent mother. And then I'm going to shift, and that's just one story. I'm I'm going to focus just one story in the Bible that covers these three different dimensions. A loving mother, and uh, everybody knows what a loving mother is, or it should be. And then a spiritual mother. That is a topic that, or a dimension that a lot of people don't understand what it is. And I believe, and I can tell you uh, from my personal uh, story or experience that this church is there to provide this spiritual motherhood for people of different backgrounds, different walks of lives, who are looking and seeking for this kind of uh, spiritual motherhood. I believe that we have that kind of anointing in this church. And I will explain you what it is. And I know that today, uh, everybody, all churches, all messages are primarily focused on honoring moms, and that's perfectly fine, how good they are, they, they are, they work for us in different places, they are walking us by hands, and that's all true, and we do honor our moms, but my focus is different. My focus is more on that third point: to be the spiritual mother for somebody who doesn't have any, and have to be that kind of a person. Not so much from the perspective how good you are, but so much, but from the perspective how do we inspire our moms to make an extra step and to become those spiritual moms that the Bible is showing us and God wants us to be. Now, this uh, pastor, George Pearson, uh, has a very wonderful quote in his book, spiritual motherhood is not dependent upon women having natural children. All Christian women are called to become mothers in the faith. And I believe that that's true. All Christian women are called, they have a calling, and you might not even know about this, to be mothers in faith. Now, the base scripture for today's discussion is a no unknown scripture, uh, scripture that don't get quoted very often in uh, Sunday's um, uh, sermons or messages because it's in the greeting section in the Bible. And as you know, when you read the Bible and you get to the greeting section, you tend to skip that section because really there is no meeting there. Some unknown, obscure people and you don't even know who they were, their stories, uh, and uh, it seems like there is no purpose. It's just an addition or appendix to the message that Apostle was writing. But I do believe that all Scripture is inspired by God, and there is purpose even in this world and in div- even in these messages. And so today we want to uncover this kind of a uh, message in this appendix, and we want to discover a spiritual principle and a story, maybe a tragic story behind those words. In Romans 16:13, Apostle Paul says, greet Rufus. Now, this is a good name if you're pregnant and you're thinking about <laughs> the name for your boy consider this because I think it would be very cool if instead of like me my name is Oleg I had a name Rufus this, is, this sounds really good, cool like imagine Pastor Rufus <laughs> that's really good because Pastor Oleg Troy calls me Pastor O it's, it's, it's like you know it's like a joke Pastor O What kind of name is this? Now imagine this. Pastor Rufus. It sounds very spiritual. But so, um, actually, did you know that uh, Rufus actually translated (laughs) red-headed? That's all what it is. Red-headed from Latin. So, do we have any red-headed people here? (laughs) Vika is laughing for some reason. Anyway, greet Rufus Chosen in the Lord. Would you like to be, would you like to have a title? Chosen in the Lord. A title when people say, not Oleg, an attorney, Oleg, a builder, Oleg, a realtor, Oleg, a driver. Oleg, chosen in the Lord. Troy, chosen in the Lord. Anya, chosen in the Lord. That's the title that comes after the name. And sometimes if you go to school for six and eight years to to get a title Esquire. It's a nice title to have after your name. PhD. A doctor. Imagine to have a title chosen in the Lord. So today before you actually leave this place, I would like to consider chosen in the Lord. In your email If you don't have a title, next time, write, Pastor Andre, Chosen in the Lord. Aviella, Chosen in the Lord. Praise God. This is an awesome title. It just came to my mind right now. I'm, I'm certain by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. So, he continues and he says, and his mother, his mother, Rufus's mother. Not my mother. His mother. Send my regards, send my greetings to his mother, comma, who has been a mother to me too. Very, very short sentence, very little information. But if you pause for a second and you consider what can be hidden behind these words, it actually opens a tragedy of of human life. Because what I see, and a lot of other Bible scholars would agree with me, that It's not just a casual phrase here, but it's something that points us to some some very painful and tragical experience. See, Rufus is mentioned in the Bible before, and some scholars believe that Mark was the one who wrote this letter to Romans. By the dictation of Apostle Paul. And Mark was also a guy who wrote the Gospel of Mark. And in the Gospel of Mark, you also read about Rufus. Remember? It describes a story when Jesus was going to the cross and he was to the Golgotha, to the, to the, to, to the ultimate death, he was carrying the cross and he could not physically carry the cross anymore. And the Roman soldier snatched somebody from the crowd of random people. And he got the guy by name of Simeon and he forced him to carry a cross for Jesus, or Jesus' cross. Now Mark is more descriptive in his story, and he goes so much so to say that Simon, who has sons of Alexander and Rufus, the father who had uh, sons of Alexander and Rufus. Could it be that this is the same Rufus that we are talking about here? And I want to submit this to you, that many scholars, Bible scholars, believe that that's exactly right. It's very plausible to think because these people became very prominent in the church. He doesn't give any explanation or elaboration. People know about him. They are kind of famous in the, in the church at that time. A guy who helped Jesus to carry the cross. Now, Before I even go any further with this, can I, can I just deduce some, some spiritual principles from this story? And the spiritual pr- principle number one. If you carry Jesus' cross... Even if you don 't want to, even if you didn 't choose to, even if it was imposed on you and you still carry, the result of it is that your children are going to follow Jesus in their lives like it happens in the life of semen is it Is that a fair assessment the second very interesting point is in this uh, general story is that maybe we don't know about this, we don't think about this, but maybe when you're carrying the cross and raising your children, being a good mother, the lesson is, maybe it's fair to say that Rufus, as a result of it, is being mentioned in the Bible. Think about this. The, 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 the Scripture, God's inspired Scripture, it's not in the Library of Congress that you are being mentioned. It's not somewhere on the inscription that you are being mentioned. Like we went with David and Danny to the park here in Springfield, and we found this um, monument for Uh, people who died in the 9-11 accident, incident. What's that? first responders, yes. And there were their names in there. That's a great thing to commemorate or to remember people who died. But think about this. God is writing in His Scripture that would be forever. A name of a person that had godly mother. Rufus. That's another l- lesson. I, I, I mentioned this before, but if I say that uh, that name, Edison, does it bring a bell? Uh, does it ring a bell? Does it bring something to your mind? Edison, do you know who Edison was? Yeah. You, you know, the guy who, who created a lot of inventions and we have elect- uh, lights and everything, that's the Edison. But what people do not know is that Edison was expelled from school because he was, his thinking was unconventional. I can relate to that. Teachers in the school hated me because my thinking was unconventional. I knew the material, but I knew that in such a way where it was boring for me to sit 45 minutes and to listen, in my child's mind I could not understand. Why do you need to repeat all this stuff over and over and over and over again if it's understood? And that's why I was creating a lot of trouble for kids. So many of my my teachers would like to expel me from school because of my behavior. My grades were great, my behavior was really bad. But his mother, Edison's mother, took him because the school would not take him and homeschooled him. And he became who he became, an inventor who changed the lives of, of millions of people. Now, do you know the name of Edison's mom? Anybody? Off the top of your head? Nobody knows. But everybody knows the name of Edison, is it possible that you being a godly mother, you are raising somebody who is going to forever change the way how we live? And maybe people will not remember your name, but people will be affected by the fruit of your labor, raising somebody who is going to affect the humanity. I like the quote by Pablo Picasso who says, When I was a child, my mother says to me, If you become a soldier, you will be a general. If you become a monk, you will end up as a pope. Instead, I became a painter and wound up Picasso. But in the same vein, I wanted to mention another lesson that I read from here before I move on. The lesson is that maybe your motherhood is not limited to just your biological people. Think about that. Maybe your motherhood, and that's what I see many times. People think that their motherhood is just the boundaries of their family. In this particular case, Apostle Paul had a mama who affected him, who groomed him, who nurtured him. And she was not even his biological mama, and he became a greatest apostle who wrote a third of the New Two thirds of the New Testament. Think about that: a person whom God used to write His holy Scripture was raised or nurtured, raised by a mama who was not even his biological mama. That's another lesson that I extract from this Scripture. But I wanted to see something else here. And I want to go a little bit deeper and talk about a little bit about an absent mother. Again, we don't know why Apostle Paul never mentions his biological mom. We, we just don't know his 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 biological parents. Now he once mentioned that he was a Pharisee. Of a father who was a Pharisee. And if this is the case, and you know Pharisee was a very strong and very conservative religious group. If you will, it was a religious elite, religious leaders in that time, very conservative group. And Apostle Paul was raised in that kind of environment. And he says, I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. That means, I'm thinking in this line, that growing up in this conservative environment and becoming such a promising Pharisee, young leader, a proud and also a pride of his parents, And think about him becoming a Christian. That was an offensive, extremely it's outrageous step. Because Christian at that point was a very offensive sect. Very This honorable people, very shameful experience if you are a Christian, especially from the point of view of Pharisees, proud religious people. And I'm just thinking in in this direction, when Apostle Paul got baptized, become a Christian, is it plausible to think that his natural fathers, father and mother, parents, disown him because that was the way how they would act? If you become a Christian, you are no longer our son. We lost you. You died for us. You don't exist anymore as far as I'm concerned. Is it plausible to assume this? Because a lot of people believe, people who study the Bible believe that that was exactly the case. And the interesting thing is that Apostle Paul throughout all his writing never mentions his biological mother and his biological father only by reference. Never mentioned. We don't know their names. Some people believe, actually, I have to take it back, some people believe, historians believe that uh, Apostle Paul was grand grandchildren of Herod, the king. And some people believe that he was a cousin of King Agrippa. That's why when he came in front of Agrippa, he was so f- familiar with him because th- they were cousins. And we can, if we study the, the the roots of these people, you can say that that might be the case, actually. He was related to the royalty. And that's why he was so powerful politically. And that's why people hated him so much, because he had so much influence. We don't know. But the fact is that he didn't mention his father and mother led me to believe that that might be the case. They disown him as a son. What do you do when your parents disown you? How do you live with the fact that your own parents reject you? That's a tough question. Now, the Bible says in Isaiah Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? And then God clarifies this. Though she may forget. I want to mention this. Biological mother can forget because we are living in a broken world. Biological mother might not be your mother your mama. As much as you want. And I have to tell you that we do have a need. D- don't, don't, t- don't be tough right now. Don't say, well, I don't need mama. We are built psychologically in a way that everybody needs a mama. That's Just the way how the world is, was built. That's how we function. Everybody needs a mama. In fact, the psychologists say that if mama is absent in the forming years of the child, it brings a revo- irrevocable, irreparable—if I can say that—damage to the mind and psyche of a child. You cannot fix it. If a child experiences Experiences abandonment by a mom. A child grows up angry, rebellious, and cannot trust in the relationship. Just cannot trust the relationship. They are damaged by the fact that, it was no, that there was no mama around. Mama is so important. And God says, though she may forget, though we can experience that, though I can see this all the time. And again, I don't really get impressed with the biological status of a mom. That doesn't impress me. I am impressed with a mom being a mom when you need you. When we need them. Emotionally, mentally, with your advice, with your support, with your encouragement. That's what we need. And so I can only deduce that Apostle Paul experienced that rejection by the family circle completely. It's like family rejected him completely. And then he adopted a surrogate mom He adopted somebody who was not biologically his mom. Now, how many people today need that kind of a mom? How many people today can say, yes, I did not have good mom's relationship for whatever reason. But I had this person who was there for me when I did it, Mom, the most. I like this quote by William Wallace. The hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. Because in many cases, when Mom is present in the cru- cru- crucial point of people's life, they can direct, they can inspire they can empower, they can encourage children to make another step, to aspire for another level, to do something else. And the opposite is true. How many times we've seen biological mothers damage their children, damage children's future by being negative, by saying curses in children's lives, by destroying children's morale and children's aspiration with negativity, condemnation, and just, just disabling comments and words into her children's life. I've seen it all the time. I notice it all the time. That's why I'm not so much in the mode of honoring mothers today, but so much in the mode of inspiring our moms to be whom God wants us to be as mom, as mothers. Now, with that idea that the Apostle Paul maybe experienced that abandonment or absent mother, rejection, we go into this other point, a loving mother. He found answer in the mother of Rufus. He found answer in somebody who was not his biological mom, but who was able to give what mother is supposed to give. And what does mother supposed to give? Basically, we call it unconditional love. That's what mothers do. That's how mothers are, differ from other people. Why? Because they love their children unconditionally. It doesn't matter that you can be a goofy. It doesn't matter that you can be silly. It doesn't matter that you can be sometimes, you, you, you can be uh, doing some, some stupid things. Mother's heart is conditioned, I'm talking about in the, in, in the ideal world, is conditioned to love the children the way how they are. And that's why children can feel safe in the presence or in, in the love environment of their moms. And be who they are, and grow the way how God wants them to be. Now, if we are talking about unconditional love, Corinthians 13:7, First Corinthians 13:7 says, "Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things." If I Think about this verse. What is Beer's All Things? That's support, being supportive in the situation where you are. Remember, growing up, and you sometimes get discouraged, you sometimes don't know if you can do it. Beer's All Things is to be able to bear all your issues, your wimps, your problems, and love you in con- unconditionally. That's basically what it is. Beliefs, it's just basically be positive. How many of you would say that I would love, I would love to in, and I'm thankful that my mom was so optimistic and so positive. Believe all things. Is—is. Is, is, let me just give you this. It's ability to see the best in you, not the worst in you. Because it's easy to be critical. I can look at my children and find one million flaws. And I can do that. But do you know what love is? Not to see them. The love is blind in this matter. We believe that means I am still see the best of them and what a miracle does it do in people's life when somebody believes in you i believe in you you can do it i i'm 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 proud of you i am i'm so uh, believing in you now it says endure i mean hopes all things now that, that that's been hopeful in any situation even in desperate situations. Sometimes children can get into trouble. You know that. Sometimes you look at the grades. Sometimes you look at the uh, demeanor. Sometimes you look at the attitude. Sometimes you look at the character flaw. And you're like, oh my gosh. What is this? Where it came from? How come? But hope, meaning I am hoping, Lao, being a mama, I'm hoping even in desperate situation. Have you, as a mama, had a situation that is desperate? My child is good for nothing. It can be, you as a mom can be dealing with addiction. You as a mom can deal with a child who is a waver child. You as a mom can be dealing with a child who turned out to be a completely different person than you always helped to be, him to be or her to be. Hope all things, meaning hoping for the best, even in the desperate situation. And then it says, endure all things. And the Bible says that love endures forever. It's not a seasonal job to be a mom. It's forever. Once you become a mom, it doesn't end. You cannot take a vacation (laughs) from being a mom. You cannot, you cannot take a lift of absence. You cannot, you cannot stop being a mom. Endures forever. That's what I believe Apostle Paul found in the faith of Rufus' mama. And that's why he says, for me too, who is a mom for me too. And finally, I'm finishing up about this Last point, a spiritual mama. What is this spiritual mama? What is this position of being a spiritual mom? And it's written in Titus, uh, Titus two three five. 5. Apostle Paul says, Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live. How is it that they are reverent? Very simple. Not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, That means to any addiction. But to teach what is good. That's the antidote to be irreverent, to be dishonorable. Start being a mama. Because, see, what it is, is when we have our physical, natural children to grow up, and they go around and about, and they are all sad. we think that our job is done. And what do we do? We start looking at other children and saying, him is such a bad person. She is acting in such a dishonorable way. That's called slandering. What you need to do in this case to say, my children are growing, but my gift of being a mama is, hasn't been realized yet or hasn't been fulfilled yet. I still have a crowd of motherless children around me, and what if I make a decision today to become like a mother of Rufus? Of Rufus. And I will submit this to you: If I made this decision today to become like a mother of Rufus, I will not be subject or to temptation. To be slanderous, to go around to talk people, to judge people, to condemn people, because I am going to function, continue to function as a mama, Rufus's mama. Now, here is the thing what I uh, discovered was that when children grow up, and go to colleges, universities, live our household. What is happening is they leave at home somebody who is so experienced in life and who is so seasoned. And sometimes, yes, moms are you know, getting wo- uh, they get worried about kids who are in colleges and they got preoccupied. They jump on their phones and they're talking a lot. They get depressed because there's nothing to do. The house seems so big. The house seems so empty. Guess what? That's the gift, a precious gift that you have. Your gift being a seasoned mama. Go ahead and give this gift to someone like a Paul. They need you. They are looking for it. Maybe you're affecting somebody like Edison. Maybe you're affecting somebody like Apostle Paul. Maybe you're affecting somebody who is going to change their life. And remember, Paul was not even her biological son. Maybe your children by blood, will not do that which your children in spirit or in faith would do. Just maybe, I'm just saying, according to this scripture. Maybe it's time for you today, instead of looking at your life and saying, well, I didn't accomplish anything, I don't know what to do, my life is over. Maybe it's time for you today to become Rufus's mama. And I will tell you this. I will be eternally grateful for those spiritual mama in my life who did not allow me to lose my mind because they were there for me. Sometimes in life you have anguishing experience. You have something that is just devastating and you feel like your heart is broken and you feel like you are losing it. And I I will be forever grateful that there was spiritual mamas all the way in my spiritual journey, who just shared their gift of motherhood for me in those difficult, critical points in my life. Before I finish this discussion, I don't really have time to go through all this text. But uh, I want to tell you a story from my life when we had a young children and uh, we had to work as parents and uh, this is one of the regrets and uh, pain that will be forever with me. And I, I know that God healed me, but in the same time, this is something that I will share with you to redeem that pain. I had to live to Los Angeles, and I had to work in different jobs. And um, I was coming back in force, and and it was a difficult period in my life and uh, my wife, Allah, worked in um, an office and we had to give our children to the daycare and uh, happy are the children who don't have to go to the childcare and uh, blessed are the mothers who don't have to have to bring their children to the childcare. And blessed are the fathers who provide for their mothers for them not to be able to not not to have to bring their children to the childcare. We have to bring the children for the childcare and I came to visit a child it was a wheel, actually. <laughs> and um, it was painful experience because when you have to live, she would cry hysterically. There was this abandonment issue. I mean, it was a good childcare by all standards, but it was a childcare. She needed a mama. And uh, Alla told me that she would come because it was the same office. She was working in the office, childcare in, in the same facility. She would come to visit Aviela on the break, but the 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 uh, workers did not allow Alla to show up because she would disturb the way how Aviella was. They were hardly able to manage her and when each time when Allah would show up Aviela would cry again hysterically and would just cling to Allah and would not let go like hold it and would not let go so that's why they said don't show up so Allah would come and and, uh, stay behind a corner and, and absorb and she says it would break my heart because she was she was walking on the street, it was full, the the shoes fell off, and they were not even watching her. She would go in the door without the shoes and and they were not even watching her. They were not even watching her. It's an expensive childcare, but she was walking barefoot. Blessed are the children who have godly mothers and who never should experience absent mothers and experience of abandonment. Blessed are the women and mothers who provide that kind of a gift of motherhood to their children. And so that children don't have to go through these dramatic experiences. Blessed are the children who don't have to go through the experience of rejection and situations when you have, you feel distance between you and your mama, you feel separated because of a lot of different things cultural things, religious things, whatever it is blessed are the children. But I am finishing with this word. If today you see these children who are in pain because they go through this rejection they go through this abandonment, they don't have a mama Make a decision to give them a gift of motherhood. That's the most honorable and most... It's a, the it's a best gift that you can ever give to anybody. Close your eyes and bow your head.